Welcome everyone to the Infertility Feelings Podcast. Today we are doing a question and answer with Dr. Andrea Ganol. Annie, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. You are like our celebrity podcast oh, I reoccurring just, it's guest. It's so fun gathering with you guys. Oh. Dr. Andrea Ganol is an anxiety specialist, a PhD, and she has seen patients and she's been a therapist for many years and she knows everything there is to know about psychology. So... <laughs> So here we go. We're really glad we brought you here. Wow. You guys think really highly of me. (laughs) She also wrote a fabulous book called Victory Over Anxiety that you can get on Amazon, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. If you are experiencing anxiety right now, go and get that book. (laughs) It will help you. I guarantee it. The reason that Dr. Annie, can we call you Dr. Annie? Please call me Annie. Yes. The reason that Annie, Annie, not Dr. Either way well, is for, good, but just I just know I that when I say Annie, I'm also meaning Dr. Annie. Yeah, Annie's good. Perfect. What, the reason we've brought Annie here is that we know that infertility is incredibly anxiety producing. It can make us feel, cause us to feel depressed, cause us to feel many things. This being the Infertility Feelings podcast, we want to make room for all those things. And we want to ask you, our listeners, what it's like to go through infertility. So we asked you, and we have a load of questions that we are going to bring to Annie. And we're not going to solve all of these problems. This isn't therapy through a podcast, (laughs) although it may feel that way. Um, But this is just our perspective, Annie's perspective on these things, and maybe a good first step to thinking about all these questions that we have. And we asked our Instagram followers for these questions. So we didn't even make up these questions. These are from our Instagram people and they want to know. That's right. Um, It's interesting looking over these questions, Annie. I would say 85% 85% of them are have to do with anxiety, mm-hmm. um, which we will get to. Uh, but why do you feel, do, do you feel like anxiety is on the rise just in general in our world? Definitely. Why anxiety is? has increased dramatically in the last couple of years. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons. One, I do think COVID really had an impact on people's mental health. Yeah. I think it, especially anxiety. Um, I think it was a very hard time for a lot of people, especially if they were already anxious, their anxiety increased quite a bit. Um, I think it's impacted people in various ways, but I think anxiety, I'd say, is the most impact yeah. Kayla's had as far as mental health. Um, I think the other parts are that our society is very different than it used to be. I do think that just a lot of the things that are happening around the world have created anxiety. Can I offer uh, my thought on that? The yeah. day that the 24-hour news cycle started, I think anxiety just started to tick up ever right. since then. And I, I mean, think it's just the the idea of the onslaught of information from, I mean, the news cycle started before the internet, but the 24-hour news cycle, the 24-hour information, then the internet, the constant information, it's not that the information is bad or that we shouldn't have news or we shouldn't have 24-hour access to information. That is actually I think, very good. But I think the nervous system of an individual trying to ingest that much. Absolutely. Just as a lot. I, there's actually research is showing there's a connection between how much social media mm-hmm. you observe and the levels of anxiety. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. That the the more you watch, the higher your anxiety in yeah. general, because it's a constant, constant reminder of all the hard things going on in the world. Right. Yeah. It right. used to be that you, you, you know, you would watch news for a little bit at night and you would kind of get the gist of what's going on around the world. And that was it. Now, every tiny thing that happens we're hearing about. And so I think that's a huge piece. And then the other side of social media, which is everyone has this perfect life, which they don't, but a lot of young people in particular and older people 
are feeling like their lives aren't that great because what they're doing is comparing themselves to what appears to be a perfect life, which isn't. And so that can create not only anxiety, but depression. So would you, I, and I'm just thinking from like an infertility perspective. So it's like just people in general are more anxious just in general. Yeah. And then you throw infertility on it right. and it makes sense why it would spike. Absolutely. Spike so yeah. much. Because there's so many unknowns when you're going yeah. through infertility and that's hard. Yeah. Okay. So without further ado, here is our Q&A with Dr. Annie. Welcome back to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so happy to have you here, and we really hope you enjoy today's conversation. Let's go with this first one. How do I calm my anxiety in a new cycle after a miscarriage? (sighs) Okay. How do I calm anxiety in new cycle after miscarriage? I think the reality with miscarriage, that's a really hard one. There's so much grief involved. Yeah. And I think grief has to be a part of that process. Um, To really work through the grieving process first is going to help you with lowering the anxiety. So I think after a miscarriage, it would really be important to focus on the loss and process that as much as you can. Um, That's going to, one, help lower anxiety, but also that really is a priority, I think, with something like that. With something as devastating as miscarriage to really start to grieve the loss. I mean, it's not something you just grieve for a short time and it's over. It's a lifelong process, but. Can I actually immediately ask you a question on that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I'm thinking of the people who maybe have asked that or who are in our groups, our process groups. I think that there's not a lot of time sometimes. So you, maybe you experience something like a loss, but the doc, the, you know, the information that you're getting from the doctors and maybe just the reality of the situation is I need to keep moving through Mm -hmm. this treatment and this next month, all my numbers look right. And the doctors are advising me to go forward, but maybe you've had three months, three months is certainly not enough. I mean, you you never know how much time someone would need, but that might not feel like enough time to have adequately processed something. So my question, in addition to this one is, do you feel like the grieving process? Is it enough to even just begin it? Like, like if you, like if you walk 10 paces, is that, better than walking no paces Absolutely. If, if you need to ultimately walk right. 100 paces. I think that's, a, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it isn't enough time, but it doesn't mean that you don't then keep going in, in the infertility process. Um, but I think what's important to acknowledge is that if you, if you do something like that and you have to kind of stop the grieving process for a little bit to then put all of your energy into the next cycle, understanding that that grief is still there yeah. and it will come out at some point. It could come out after you have a child even. I mean, I think we have this imagination that if if we're not like sad, it's everything's okay. Right. But a lot of times we're not sad because we're trying to get through the next stressor, the next yeah, whatever it is. And so if you need to put grief on the back burner, you have to come back to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I realize that that in that and I think that's one of the things that makes infertility so traumatic for some people is because it's one thing after it's just a constant trauma after trauma after trauma and so when you add all those up it becomes so much bigger and becomes you know definitely more challenging and so just being aware that if you put something to the side to continue on your process that you need to go back what would be what would be signs because I feel like people in our groups ask this all the time like when do I know that I'm ready to move on 
It's like, what signs or things should they be looking for to be like, okay, I'm ready to, I've grieved this a little bit. I've looked at this and now I'm going to put it on the shelf and go and do my next thing. Like what would be things that they should be looking for? I don't know if that's a really hard question. Well, I would, what comes to my mind is that we want to, how is your daily functioning? We want to be able to function in our daily lives. Mm. And if whatever that is that you're dealing with is affecting your daily functioning, that to me would be a very important sign that you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. So if you compartmentalizing is so important for all of us. I mean, a lot of yeah. times you think, Oh, you're just denying your grief or whatever it might be. It to some degree, that's true. If you never take it off the shelf again, but being able to take something and put it in a box and put it aside for a little bit so that you can move on with something else that needs to happen. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a healthy response. As long as you take it back off the shelf and open it up and mm. allow yourself to grieve. Yes. Right. So daily functioning is a huge piece or, or just real symptoms of high anxiety, high depression, which we can talk about too, if yeah. we want. Yeah. Almost like the felt, like the user experience. That's not the right way to say that. I don't know what like human the, experience? the human experience. I don't know why I went user experience, like a video game or something, but yeah. I'm just thinking of like, okay, well, what's the experience of your daily life? Like, you know, my felt experience is that I'm generally like making it through my days, That that's a good sign. Yes. I think it's a good sign normally, usually. Mm-hmm. However, I also know enough people that have are in such denial that they do function. They yeah, do go to yeah. work every yeah. day and they do their stuff and yeah. yet inside they're dying. Yeah. Out here it looks like they're good, but inside yeah. they have a hard time getting out of bed. Yeah. They get yeah. out of bed, but man, they're really suffering in yeah. innerly. So right? there's got to be some type of internal you have to have investigation. S- yes. Yeah. We have to have a little bit of internal insight into what we're dealing with to be healthy because it's very easy to go into that denial space and it's going to come out later in whether it's physical or emotional. So it's not only, but so it's not only looking at the outward, how am I doing in my daily life? It's checking in with yourself and how hard it is to do your daily life. That's what I would look for. Like, wow, it's really hard for me to do this X, Y, and Z. I probably need to go back and grieve and look at it. So then I can, and, and I think keeping in mind, as far as the inner part, if you really yeah. struggle with having that insight, is to be aware of, is it hard to get out of bed? Yeah. Like, do I really just would rather just stay in bed and sleep Yeah. Um, or just put the covers over my head? And the only thing that's getting me out is, be, you know, I have to get a paycheck or something. Another would be if um, you really don't want to do anything fun anymore. Yeah. Like, you're just not interested in fun things and you just just kind of have this lethargic, um, really down kind of, those are, those are tangible things that you can look at. I don't want to do fun things that I used to enjoy. I don't want to get out of bed. Um, those are two big ones or that you literally are like having panic attacks every day and really struggling with coping physically. And those are signs that it's time to look inward and deal with some of the grief that's there. Yes. And maybe not time to move on. Yeah. And okay. Can I pull that thread even further? If someone were to say, okay, I want to look inward and see what's there. What does that mean? What does that look like? Is that journaling? Is that the great going question? For a walk I think that looks different for different people. Okay. Um, I think a lot of times, especially if we're like not wanting to get out of bed and we start not getting out of bed, you need help. Mm-hmm. You need someone else to come alongside you. Yeah. Um, I think when you are functioning, but struggling, 
Yeah. Which at all at time we all go through that. Yeah, totally absolutely. in life. Right? Yeah. 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 I can name my season. Yeah. So that would look journaling, I think, is amazing because not only are we having to process and give us a, give our situation a narrative, yeah. but then we're putting it on paper, which is doubly good. And then reading it out loud is another thing we could do, right? You're just yeah. constantly allowing yourself to process what you're going through. And we do that by talking. We do that by reading. We do that by writing. Um, I think another part is if you have safe people or maybe a group, right? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. To be able to process together, that's ideal even, because then you're not only sharing and processing with people, but you're getting something back. You're getting someone who really can empathize with you because they're going through it too. So those, those are huge things. If you're, and this is putting aside like therapy or where you actually go and get a professional to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and really another great thing is exercise. Mm. And I know we talk about this probably every single time, but the reality is what exercise does for us as far as just getting our body moving and getting the um, different trans- neurotransmitters moving along in our bodies and our yeah. brains, it really does. I mean, research shows exercise is as effective as medication. Wow. It's wow. kind of amazing. Wow. So to really get your heart rate up, um, if you can, you know, three, four times a week can make a big difference. Yes. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is sometimes on exor- when I exercise, I cry. Yeah. Cause I like release something or right. I connect something or I don't even have to be listening to anything. Like I just, am like, my body's like, yep, it's time. It's time. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to be for everybody, yeah. but I have had that multiple times where it's like, I know I'm, I'm clogged up, yeah. clogged up. I need something to like help me release. And research shows that crying absolutely relieves stress. Yeah. There is a connection between crying yeah. and that lower stress. So something. Maybe that's why I'm bodies. so stressed. I haven't cried since I was three years old. You just totally joking. need to cry, <laughs> Doug. You need to cry. I'm just joking. We joke. I've that cried. I've cried. D- we at least three times since say, then. I was going to say five times. I always joke that when he ever does, it's like steam. It's not even like drip drops. And one time it was a drip drop, and I said, "Stop! I'm going to put it in a book and save it forever." This tear. Uh, but you process and you are emotional. I of know course. you hate when people say yes. you're not emotional. It's like you are emotional. You just don't cry a lot. <laughs> Annie, what is that about? This is why I've brought you here today. See, we, we did this. This is an intervention, actually. Doug. I know, Doug. This is for you. Really. We can you know do what? me next. It's really hard, especially for men in general. Mm. It, it is. It's yeah. it, And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think, first of all, it, it doesn't mean you force yourself. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're like, okay, I'm going to go hit my head on the wall yeah. to yeah. get myself to cry, to release this tension. Yeah. But I think the more we can allow ourselves to really look at what is my pain, what is happening inside of me that's creating this, whether it's deep sadness or lo- feeling sense of loss, to be able to allow yourself to really experience that and feel that. And if, if there's tears coming and if you have to go into the bathroom or go into the shower, to be able to allow yourself to do that. If part of why you don't cry is because you don't want other people to see you or hear you, to, you know what, go into the shower by yourself if that's what you need. But to be, when you experience it, to allow yourself to get rid of it. Because if you don't, it's sitting in your body. The body keeps the score. Yeah. It's sitting there. Yeah. I think that's so wise. And I think that's probably what we're advocating for in this question of how do I continue on with another cycle after having a loss like that, a miscarriage. I think it's knowing when to look inward, having the skills to look inward and being able to, when you do look inward, do something with it. I think for me, I, the, the thought that comes to mind is I 
in the midst of our struggles, kind of we got to this moment of finality of we're probably not going to be able to have kids. And I remember I went on a really long walk. We were up in the mountains at this thing for work. On this really long walk, and I sat on this big giant boulder. I, I it took me a ton of energy to get up there. Once I was up there, I felt alone, and I felt like, okay, yeah, I'm going to look inward. And I wrote down on in this notebook, Jesse and I cannot have kids. And it was I wrote it one time, and then I thought, I just it's not. So I just started like kind of like a crazy person, just writing it over and over. I think I wrote it a hundred times. You're trying to tell yourself. I was just like, I had to get it out somehow. Mm-hmm. And it was, that actually was a really healing moment for, for me of just writing. Jesse and I can't have kids. <laughs> At the end of like 150 times writing, I went, holy crap, we can't have kids. And it was like, mm-hmm. that was the moment. A lot of it actually kind of sunk in for me. It took me going on a long walk, getting away, mm-hmm. feeling alone and literally writing it that many times for me to go, okay, that's what's going on on the inside. So I'm not like everyone, but maybe that's just evidence that like it can be that hard to get in. Absolutely. And you are more intellectual person. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. So to find a way to, to me, the most important part is it's not that you cry. It's that you process that you, that you're taking your suffering that's inside of us and we're bringing it out so that it's not, affecting us internally such as physical emotional mental um that's the important part is we don't allow it to stay stuck this is a great question why do i grieve so deeply for someone who never existed in the first place Mm. That's a great question. A hard question. That is hard. You know, what, how I see infertility in my experience in infertility is that even though you never got pregnant, so therefore there wasn't a child, it's a loss of what could be, what could have been. And so to me, it, in my experience was, and I would like to know your thoughts too, it was a loss, not getting pregnant. And so, um, yeah how we grieve is like we grieve any loss is it's the loss of not having that cycle work, the loss of what could have been and to allow yourself to be sad about that. Yeah. Allow yourself to grieve and cry and be sad for what wasn't that you had hoped would be. Right. I think that is brilliant. And I think that's, is that enough to say that that is true, real deal grief? We were just interviewing. Absolutely it is. Yeah. We were just interviewing someone for our podcast that, that will come out in a couple of days. But um, they were saying they would look at someone who was pregnant and they would say, it feels like a memory that I have that just hasn't come true yet. Like me being pregnant on the beach, I'm looking at this person and they're sparking this memory that I, it feels like a memory is what she was saying. Because she had such a dream of that happening <laughs> right. for her. She right. had pictured herself being pregnant at the beach, walking with the baby bump so much that when she saw it, she's like, it almost sparks what feels like a memory in me. And then that is what she's grieving is that Mm. I don't have that memory will never, or that vision will never come true. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, yeah, that is, there is a, that's a sneaky way into grief. Yeah. But I'm asking you, is that worthy enough to really be grieving over? Absolutely. It is no question about it to me. Um, I don't want to, we never want to compare not being pregnant to a miscarriage. Right. Because yeah. they're different. Yeah. They're different yeah. losses. Um, 
But to me, the the loss of not getting pregnant month after month is kind of partially what makes infertility traumatic. Because you you have, you know, if you look at the research on trauma, you find that someone's been through trauma. If they have another trauma, like a war veteran, for example, they're in war, they've seen some horrible things, and then they have to go back the next week and do the same thing or the next day and yeah. do the same thing. And they're exposed again and again. That becomes very more intense trauma because you're adding it and adding it and adding it. And it becomes mm-hmm. bigger than just the, the uh, just the combination of it. Does that make sense? That makes so yes. much sense. Yeah. And that is infertility in a nutshell. Right. Exactly. Having to expose yourself to these things over and right. over and over again. Do you so, almost feel like it compounds like compounds, that, that saying of like, like the sum is actually greater than the exactly total of its parts? To where it's, <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Where Expand. It's, it's not like it's it's not like, oh, I had three traumas in a row. Right. The trauma at the end is exponentially more right. than just three. Right. Yeah. And I always talk about this, and I'm sure I've said this before, that if you if you have this intense reaction to something in the current, maybe that seems bigger than it than it should be almost always means it's triggering something back in the past. Yes. Right. So you're dealing with what's happening today, but you've added. Right. The, the difficult thing that happened five years ago, 10 years ago, last week. And so it, this current state becomes much bigger than it needs to be. And until we deal with what's back here, that's going to be our life, right? We're going to, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what, that's infertility is that it's, you're constantly adding to it. And so it becomes much bigger than the total. Right. However you said it, Doug was perfect. Yes. Compound, <laughs> compound trauma, compound. Right. Yeah. yeah and you have, and you're having to expose yourself to it. Like I always felt like with infertility, I'm like, I really want a boundary with infertility. Like I want to make the boundary, but I, if I want a baby, it feels like I can't. Mm-hmm. And that felt really weird really for me. Point. Yeah. That felt really weird for me of like, if something was hurting me this bad, in my past, this is how I've handled it, is I make a boundary and I don't do it anymore. But with infertility, if you're always like, oh, going for that goal, going for that goal. I felt that a lot in adoption too. I wanted to get out of adoption. I wanted to get out of that like world. And it's like, I felt like I couldn't because I was like, well, do you want like your son to have a sibling? So you got to stay in this world and keep going. And it's just weird. It's, it's, it's very unique. But what I would say to this person too, is what really helped me with my grief was almost making it personal was making it like I lost a person. Like my therapist advice was at the time was give it a name. Think about it. Right. Think about what they would have been like. Think about it. And it helped me, even though it was so painful, very painful. It helped me like, A, feel like I wasn't crazy. Like it is a loss to think that and to grieve it because it really helped me like channel it. Right. So I gave it a name. I gave it a sex. I I thought it was a girl, you know? So it's like, I did all those things. And then she said, when you're grieving things like breastfeeding, like imagine her, like imagine that Mm -hmm. being pregnant, all that. And that really helped. helped Yeah. Because I think what happens is oftentimes in grief, everyone grieves differently. We know that. Right. And so how often you'll hear someone say, well, they kind of should be over it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we all grieve differently. And so it's not fair for us to put a boundary on someone else because that's how we experienced our grief. And so the loss of not being pregnant is true grief. And by naming it is, is making it more um, in your mind and maybe other people's acceptable or okay, I can grieve this. This really is a loss Yeah. rather than, well, I shouldn't be this upset because it wasn't a real person. And yet it, it could have been. Yeah. It's the could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, I want to normalize something because I think I'm trying to 
put myself in the position of asking this question, and I think I would I would be bummed out when I heard you say, "Yeah, every you know, if you're going through something, it triggers something from your past." I would feel like, "Oh, I'm like totally. Am I broken, or mm. I'm like I'm all messed up because of my past? Because now I'm experiencing this, and it's bringing up this other thing from when I was four. And Infertility loves to do that. Yeah, or just mm-hmm. like, I would. I think I would get all bummed out that I'm just like, "Oh, I'm all messed I'm up." I'm so glad you said that. Let's Is talk it, about this. It, stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully we'll get hashtag tears. I think I'm Just at a kidding. place now where I where I've I understand how common that is, but I'm I'm also wanting to normalize that for our listeners that if you if infertility is bringing something up that happened to you at seven, I'm asking you, Annie. That's common, right? I think it's very common. Okay. I think um, I want to first go back to what you said about yeah. am I broken? Like it makes me sad to think that what happened to me in the past is affecting me today. That, that, that's a loss too, really. Right. Because it's like, well, it's so unfair that that happened and it's still impacting me. And I've worked hard at not having it impact me. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're broken. First of all, we all have been through really painful things in our childhoods. We all carry brokenness into our adult life. Even if we had great families and great parents, all of that, the reality is life is hard. And we're vulnerable as children. So we all bring this brokenness into adulthood. The beautiful thing, again, we're, we're going to we're going to look at this through a different lens than we oftentimes do is when we look at our past brokenness, our past hurts, a new lens would be, I am who I am because of that. And that there's been good things that have come out of my trauma or that difficult situation not that it was good that it happened necessarily, but rather it's created a resilience in me that it's helping me get through today. This, my infertility, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, the other good thing about getting a trigger is that then if you realize today, oh my gosh, why is this so big? Oh, and it's reminding me of this when I was 10, 15, 20. Yeah. That's a gift because we can now go back and get that brokenness worked through a little bit more. And the reality is there's some brokenness that just doesn't yeah. completely heal. Yeah. And that's a sad thing to say, but it's a reality. And, and it doesn't mean we can't move on from in life. Right. We, we, we grieve it and it might come up again in five years and we grieve it again a little bit. That loss doesn't just, we, we don't just, there's not this little, little thing we do. We check off the boxes of our grief and we're done. No, when we lose someone, I miss my dad. It's been three and a half years. I miss him. Is it easier? Yes, it's easier now, three years later. But I'll always miss him. So to just know that that is part of life, that's part of being human, that we will go through grieving processes throughout our lives. And and I, I have two children now, after going through six years of infertility, I still grieve things about that because I don't have four kids like I wanted. Yeah. So there's, you know, and I'm an older mom and on and on and on you could go. But yeah. you know what? We, that's what it is. So let's do the best we can to grieve that when it comes up. I always say, I will never say that infertility is a gift, but it is an opportunity. I love that. It's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for healing. It's an opportunity for processing. And right. I like that you said that of like, if you were having something triggered up from your past, it's almost like a gift that there's connection to it, that it's like, Oh, I'm being triggered now. And it's an opportunity, really a choice to go back and be like, oh, I'm going to look at that. But yes, 
it's not a gift, but it is an opportunity to grow. I love that. Yep. Yep. It makes me think of TM myself. (laughs) It makes me think there's a a famous poet named James Baldwin. And he's the, the context of this quote is strictly only about the civil rights movement. But I think the principle that he's talking about is applicable to many difficult things to look at. And he says, not all things faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Ooh, that's and I love good. That. It's, it's yeah. true. It's like not everything that you face can really change, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Right. And exactly. I think that's what infertility love does. That. It's It brings up just loads of crap. And not everything can be changed. Not everything can be dealt with and processed mm-hmm. fully, but, not, but none of that can be until you really look at it. And infertility is this, like you said, Jesse, massive opportunity to look at all of those things. Yeah. And that's where I think you need a community. You need safety. Absolutely. Um, because looking at those things is really hard. Yeah. yeah. How, the, it's, it sucks. Infertility yeah. it is sucks. so hard. How would someone start? This is kind of a question. How do you deal with grief? It's on the backside of the paper. Uh, how do you deal with grief? It's like, what would, what would you say to someone that is in infertility experiencing those triggers and where do they, and how do they even start to deal with their grief? Well, I think this, this fits with so many different things in life. So infertility is Is one one of them, them, right? But we can use these things for everything that we're dealing with struggles. Community is everything, right? We, we emphasize that all the time here to have people in our lives that we feel safe with, that we can talk about our sadness. I talk about our anxiety, talk about our day even, um, is so important. I mean, I cannot emphasize that enough, how important community is. If you don't have community, yeah, you need to find community. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be a priority. You've got to find community because we cannot live this world. We are not, we were not designed to be alone in our suffering. Yeah. So you got, and I, I love what you guys do mm-hmm. because you, that is such a huge part of uniquely knitted and you guys provide groups mm-hmm to that is definitely a start of getting community so community is everything i always say that like people that are talking a lot about self-care often leave that part out yeah and to me it's ever noticed that yeah it's like self-care is exercising it's eating healthy it's and all those things are fine and great and important you literally said exercise is so important for anxiety and stuff and everything but like they often i feel like leave out that piece of like the community piece is also self-care I think community is a huge piece. We yeah. cannot survive our suffering alone. Yeah. It's just, it's too heavy. It's too much. I know. I love this one quote. It says, there's no awards given out for someone who suffers alone. Right. It's like, there's so no, true. there's no awards. Right. To be like, oh, good job. You made it through by yourself. Yeah. Like, you exactly. know, it's yeah. Yeah. So, so community is huge. And then the other parts to that would be, I, I think a great way to start the grieving. Yeah. Is journaling. I do. I really am a big believer of journaling. I think, um, and you know, I like to say if you journal and keep it, there's some great things that happen when you go back. Yeah. Go back and read journals. A lot of times it will show you how far you've come or you have more compassion for yourself when you reread it. Like, Oh gosh, that was such a hard time. Yeah. And self-compassion is so important. What would be like, let's say someone (laughs) doesn't have community, wants to find it and is trying to find it hates journaling, what would be like a baby step, a baby step of just looking at your grief? Maybe there is none, but your face is telling no, you, that no. there is. but you're trying to think <laughs> like, what would be just, cause I feel like 
there is so much in infertility and, and sometimes I feel like people feel the weight of like, I'm just doing so much already. And the thought of even just looking at all this and grieving is so hard and so overwhelming when I'm already so overwhelmed. Right. What would be like a little, little baby step that somebody could do to start looking at their grief or looking at their past or... I have stumped I have, you have the stumped. great Dr. <laughs> Andrea Ganahl. <laughs> I can think of things. It's so hard for me to think of it. I guess because I think of community as such an important piece. Right. And I get it. I There was a time in my life where I, I was very lonely. Yeah. And just so desired a deep friendship. And couldn't find it. And, and just didn't have that in my life. Yeah. Um, and it was actually connected to infertility because all of my friends had children and, you know, all that that goes along with that. Um, so it's hard for me to go back to that with when I just remember being so And alone. there's a lot of people, I would say, right, that are right. in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like there's not just like, oh, do this. And it, I just don't know if there is something like that. I, I want to make it, though, because baby steps are so important. So it would maybe be... Um, other self-care maybe it's yeah you know taking a, a a walk somewhere beautiful watching the sunset um just taking in beauty yeah um even watching puppy videos I've actually recommended that to people because, that is the greatest thing because it just brings you some joy yeah right yeah. Yeah. Um, Doug and I will if I'm in a heavy season I will only allow cartoons on the tv I, I literally will. Or, and I will like lower my lights in my house. And I really do that. If you walked into my house, you would be like, are you okay? But I'm like trying to convince myself to like be calm. It's okay. And like be safe. I like turn off all the lights. Yeah. I watch cartoons, like something light. So I yeah. do not watch the news. I do no. not. Like I try to stay off social media. Like even just those little things to try to find something. That, I think that's innocence. so important. Right. I, so we talk about what can we do? What can we do? Sometimes it's not doing anything. Yeah. Right. I literally am like that. I turn off lights. Yeah. I turn off any noise. Yeah. Like I don't put music on. I just need to not be stimulated. Yeah. And I go and I literally sit in the dark and I will have, you know, my husband or even when my kids were younger. What are you doing? Yeah. Are you okay? Like, right. Exactly. Because it seems odd. But at the same time for me. I needed just no stimulation. And that kind of fits with what you said about, you know, social media, no news. Yeah. If you're in a dark place, don't watch the news. Don't look at social media because so much of the news is in social media. Unless it is something that like comedy, that's totally different. Or again, the puppy thing is good for me. Yes. (laughs) To, you know, to, to not look at like, okay, oh, let's, let's learn about being, having like this perfect house you know, that's super clean and organized and minimalized and, and the beautiful people and all that stuff that that's not going to help. So again, it's kind of just letting go of some of that stuff to just allow yourself to be. Yeah. And Doug is so good at, at that. Like one of our manifestos that uniquely needed is small change is still change. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And I think maybe a baby step would just be acknowledging yeah. That you have this acknowledging that you are, have some stuff that you probably need to look at. Like that could almost be step one Yeah, is just having grace on yourself to be like, I know I have a lot going on and I know I have stuff I need to process. 
I think full stop. Like yes. even just that is like, oh my gosh, you're just aware of it. Yes. Or you're and aware. I say it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay there. Yeah. And so when you talk about these little tiny steps, as yeah. long as you are moving yeah. into those steps, it's okay. And if the first step is I'm going to go get myself a pumpkin spice latte today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's fantastic. But you have to be moving in the direction of health and self-care. So if you s- turn all of the lights off and turn off everything and you stay there for five days, that's not moving forward. Right. But sometimes we just need to be able to just be. And then the next step is, okay, I'm going to go out and yeah. be around maybe some people at the coffee shop. Or, you know, again, it's just kind of those little steps, but you got to keep moving those little steps forward towards health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even just go for a small walk. Yeah. Just get out. Yeah. Yep. And then be proud of you that you proud of Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. You Celebrate did it. those yeah. small yeah. steps. Absolutely. Yeah. Small changes still change. Okay. I like this question. How do I get my partner to talk about their stress? AKA, I'm going to change this question of like, how do we get our partners to talk about our, the infertility? Jesse, why don't you just name it for what it really is? How do I get Doug <laughs> to talk about his stress? How do Annie? I get my husband to talk about their stress? Is that, is it, I mean, yeah. that, that's not for everyone I like and a, that, I don't want to narrow it down, right. but if but, we're going to talk about the bulk of maybe where that question correct. comes from, correct. it's probably and I'm that. saying that as a husband Yeah. and yes. again, painfully clear, it's not everyone, not everyone even has husbands, but I would say the bulk of this question comes from that. I just want to name it for what it probably really well, is. Well, Annie yeah. taught me the greatest words of all time for some, for some, for some people. Yeah. I say that all the time. And that was your wisdom. You know, I'm going to go some on a, could be 98%. Exactly. I'm, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go on a ledge here and say for most, this question is how do I get my husband to talk about infertility, stress, yes. all of that. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no, this took a turn. Oh, that was a short one. Okay. <laughs> let's move on. Wait, no, I'm unpack kidding. that. What is okay. It, is, so yeah. I, you know what? The first thing I think of when I see that question is, first of all, I totally get it. Yeah. I, and I think so many people listening yeah. will totally get that. Yeah. Um, but the reality is your person is an adult. Mm-hmm. We can encourage, but we cannot make mm. anyone do anything, right? Yeah. Well, that's not so, a fun answer. I Come know. on, there's got to be a- But you know what? It's a healthy answer. And <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. important to look at that when we're trying to make someone do something, it oftentimes doesn't work and it makes everyone more frustrated. I think the best way to respond to that would be to go to your person and say, I feel alone in this and it would really help me if we could talk through this together. If I understood where you're coming from, that would help me. And so kind of just bringing out what you need and then hope that they respond to that. And they're more likely to respond to it when it's more like, oh, if that will help you. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to get the full story of their grief or their their stress, but to to help them understand how that would help you. I yeah. totally Small agree. Small changes yep. still change, even <laughs> if they just say a little bit. Right. One of and my- be okay with that. And be okay yeah. with if the spouse says or the person says, oh, honey, I'm sorry that that stresses you out. It is hard. It's really hard. If that's all you get and that's a big, like that, you've never had that before celebrate that because by celebrating it, you're reinforcing that. And then hopefully next time it'll be a little bit more, but by saying, are you serious? Is that all I get? (laughs) Right. Celebrate the little steps so that it reinforces that. And also it makes them see that you, it helped you. 
one of my biggest regrets about our infertility journey and adoption journey and all the trauma that we've experienced with trying to grow our family is, and I know we've talked about this before, is I expected Doug's grief to look exactly like mine. Excellent point. And so that is one of my biggest regrets is I felt like I was judging him for the way that he processed or the way that he did his process Mm -hmm. when he needed to go to the mountains and write it 150 times. I didn't need to do that at all. I could just be like, have you thought about our infertility today? Yes. And just immediately go right there. Cause I am in touch. I can be in touch with my feelings very easily. So it's one thing that I wish I wouldn't have done. And that would be my, I hate to use the word advice, but like thought for someone that is experiencing that, Mm -hmm. that it might not look exactly how you are experiencing I this. I guarantee you it will not look exactly. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah. Never. Well, and the thing is that yeah. you could apply that to your friends too, right? Yeah. Your, their grief, whatever the grief is, is going to look different. Yeah. And we are, it's not our job to judge someone else how they grieve. Yeah. And, and a thing that I think helped me too was if I ever felt like Doug was stuck or not necessarily feeling it or not wanting to process it, that didn't mean that I didn't have to. Absolutely. And I think me going to therapy, coming home and saying, Doug, I processed this in therapy today. It would spark something in him to be like, oh, I never thought, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. You're right. And then that would not always, it didn't always go that way, but I would say maybe half of the time it sparked something in you emotionally Mm -hmm. to talk about. I remember a big thing was like us never having kids. I feel like that like took you a really long time. Obviously you had to write it 150 (laughs) times on a piece of paper. No, what are you talking about? It just took me, I just needed to go to the mountains, go for a hike, climb for a rock and then write it 150 times. And so worth it. Yeah. But like I, I, that was something I, I, dealt with really in the beginning was like, Oh, I can see where this path is going to go and it might go here. So I'm going to like think about that. So I feel like even me just sharing my process with you that I did in therapy was helpful. I think for you could answer, was that helpful in your process? Totally. I think I was taking in a lot of information and processing and thinking and always observing and, and trying to figure out what I felt myself. I have a hard time connecting to what I feel very quickly. So I just probably spent very long time trying to connect to what I actually feel, you know? So I think it was actually really helpful for you to be like, I talked about this today or I thought about this or I, I gave my infertility a name and I've really been processing like things like breastfeeding and and like having a baby bump and going through all that stuff. And I, and it made me go, Oh yeah, that's true. There's all these like physical things that we don't get to do too. Cause I kind of even just almost not thought about that. I also remember that your grief was different than mine. I will never forget when we were going on and transitioning into adoption, you said to me, it kind of feels the same a little bit for Mm -hmm. me because really besides the beginning action that you have to do to have us have a baby, really nothing is about you past that point. And there was so much more physically, like physically, physically and giving birth and all those things. Like, cause I remember in the beginning we were hoping to be in a birth room with a birth mom. And it's like, you, you, I remember you saying, I kind of stand in the same place, no matter if it's you or if it's a birth mom, it's all kind of the same for me. And so that was good for me too, to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be grieving things differently than you're going to be grieving. Yeah. The experience is so different. So the grief is so different. Yeah. 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 I think another point to bring up here is that, and again, some women, (laughs) for some, (laughs) they aren't able to get that from their partner. Yeah. And so they feel very alone, even though they've shared with them, this would help me. And they don't always get that. And I think it's important for those women or men who uh-huh. are feeling that yeah. to be able to, again, make that community connection. 
because if we don't get it from our partner, we're going to be so alone in it. And it's important to find the community. I think that's why it's so important for men and women to have close friendships, to really make a, and be intentional about developing close friendships because we, we cannot rely on just our spouse or just our partner. My, my thought would be that coming from my unique perspective of, you know, being um, the man in this relationship in terms of I'm coming up from the way that I was talk about things, the way that I was grew up around things, the way that like me and my guy friends talk to each other when we were younger, the way that we emotionally process things when we were younger and all of that history. I think one of the things that is a huge, um, hurdle I would say to climb in terms of processing infertility is the way that we talk about it. Sometimes and I've grown, I think, a lot in my perspective of being able to use emotional words. I feel like I'm actually quite good at it now. But when I was younger, and I think for many guys, the wording and the way that it's talked about is almost just so foreign. It feels like, oh, I would never talk like that. But when I was younger and I went through something difficult with my guys, I would say, man, this sucks. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. been like, it's been rough lately. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Dang, well, I'm here for you. Like that, that's I like the way extent. you load your voice as you do that. You know? <laughs> I know. Just really, I just but, like, yeah. hey guys, this is really, really sucks. So that's your man voice. Okay. That that's my that's what I picture a man sounding like. Um uh, but <laughs> you are a man. Is I that know. how you sound? But do you know what I mean? That's my it, it would be like that, you know? So I think all of a sudden now I'm in this relationship and they're like, someone's crying and they're like, well, what are you feeling on the inside? I'm like, oh, I've oh. never talked like that before. Right. You know, Good I've point. been emotional, that- but it's always been in the context of, damn, bro, I'm just stressed. Like, I'm just, oh, I'm freaking out. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. That sucks. I've been there too. It's like, that was the, that, but I mean, like, that's the extent sometimes of my emotional interaction with my guy friends. But it's still real. That is still expressing. And that's what I'm trying to pull out is like, I, I think we have to create some room for guys to express their infertility stress. Guys do. They hit each other on the back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is an expression of, I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, I think that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up that men and women in general, do things differently. And that is beautiful yeah. for guys to be able to say, oh, this sucks. And I'm this such, I love you to go with my voice. <laughs> this sucks. And I'm really stressed out. And because yes. that's how you communicate. And yeah, it, it really is telling that person I'm struggling. Totally. And I'm talking to my guys in no way should that be the end. Like, dang, man, I'm stressed. That should not be the end or the extent of right. our ability to communicate about our emotions. I challenge us all to grow much, much, much deeper. But if that's the starting point, absolutely, start. great. Start there, you know? And I think even if, if you're married to someone like that and that's kind of the way they communicate about their emotions, celebrate that mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, it does suck. Frick, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it starts there, I think that's great. You can, that's something to grow on. Absolutely. We always say when we're in our process groups, like when you're talking about your needs, like make it to your language, how you would say something like a guy typically probably wouldn't go up and be like, you know what? I really need you to sit in the well with me. (laughs) That's, or I need you to sit in the well with me. Like that's just not something that would naturally probably flow. No, but they would say, I need to vent dude. Like, can we vent? So yeah. And it's the same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Even though I want to be as a woman, be like, can we sit in the well together? Women too, in general tend to use a lot more words mm-hmm. in their processing. Yeah. yeah. 
And men use less words. And I don't think it's fair to say that then you're not as good at it because you don't use as many words. I think what's important is when you have that conversation with a man, how do you feel after? Do you feel lighter? Yeah. Mm. You that feel means, seen. Yeah. Because right. I brought it if up. You, you feel, feel seen. seen yeah. And okay. That means that it was helpful. If you leave there feeling like crap, like, oh crap, I just shared something about my heart with somebody and now I feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you know, then yeah. maybe that didn't work very well and you right. need to find somebody else. Right. And I, but, but I've noticed that true friends, they can't, they are ready to do that. Yeah. And it looks, and maybe from the, from the outside, so foreign or weird of like, oh my gosh, such being so like shallow or whatever, but it's a start and it works Absolutely. and it feels good to do that. So yeah. I guess it, in response to that question, you know, everything that we said, plus also allowing the language to be so native to whatever that person That's so, has. such a good point. This is the last question. How do I start accepting that becoming a mom might not happen? Yeah, Annie, how? Yeah, how do we do that, Annie? <laughs> so glad we brought you here. Oh my goodness, some great questions, some very challenging ones. And I don't think easy answers. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's accepting loss, accepting something that is never to be Yeah, is incredibly hard. And I don't, I, what I think is important to say here as far as grief is that it never totally goes away usually, meaning yeah. that it stays with us. And it, I, I don't know how this will sound, but it, that's a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. that it, we're, we're holding on to something that's important to us. It meant something. Yes, it meant something. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a grief that will last your lifetime. Now, it'll get easier. Um, but I think, do you say the beginning of it? How do I start? Yeah. How do I start accepting that I might not be a mom? I think it would be accepting the reality. You know, if you think about the, the stages of grief, the end result is acceptance. And so to move towards that, to allow yourself to grieve, to allow yourself to be angry and disappointed, um, to be frustrated and allow yourself to be okay with all the emotions that come up. And it will be different for different people. But allow yourself to feel those and express those in a safe place and and move towards the direction of acceptance. I I think that takes time. And um, if I allowed myself to, I could still feel sadness about not having more kids. Um, I could feel sadness for not being a younger grandma when when that time comes. So there's things that come up in life and... I'm reminded of what I don't have. Now, there's wonderful things I do have, but just know that in our grieving process of something so big, as far as not becoming a mother, allow yourself time and just know that that's going to come up throughout your life because it's a big thing. And to allow yourself to experience the different feelings that come up. That was the best answer I think you can give, honestly. Yeah, because I have things too. Like I feel like a thing that I'm grieving now and could make me emotional if I went there is we had our son come into our lives when he was 18 months. And then we had our daughter at when she was eight and I have so much more energy to give to a toddler. Like I have so much more energy for that phase. I love that phase. I love two to five. It's like my favorite. 
And I, I grieve the fact even now that I didn't have that more that, I, Oh, I only had one chance of that. I never thought even in that moment, that, that would be my one shot to get that. So I feel that. And I also think that like, you can look at this and start to think about it. And a doesn't mean that it's absolutely going to happen. It doesn't mean that that is absolutely going to happen. If you start thinking about it and feeling it, that that's absolutely going to happen. You never know, but also that you can stop looking at it. Like you could just look, looking at it doesn't mean that it's absolutely hundred percent going to be true, but it's also that you can look at it and then you can stop looking at it. I think I thought if I started thinking about that, I would never be a mom. I would be swallowed and I wouldn't be able to move on with my life. Like I think it would make me go towards the bed and not wanting to get up and all that. And Mm -hmm. maybe that is something that would come from that, but it also just allowed me to start that process of grieving. And most of the time it made me feel better to really go there and process with someone. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. I think it does. It's a big one. That's a big, it's a big one. It is. It is a really big one. And I think it will take a lot of time. And I think too, if you are in that place of moving toward that, to just know there's a lot of things in life that are beautiful and good that yeah. are, and it doesn't include children. Yeah. That, um, that it doesn't, it doesn't mean you, it's, it doesn't, you don't grieve that and that it's not a loss, but I, I think it's hard when you're in the midst of yeah, fertility to imagine that. But as I've gotten older and I look at my life and some beautiful things that are in my life that have nothing to do with children. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for those things. So there are good things ahead. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important to know that, that with or without children, there are good things ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why we call at Uniquely Needed, we try to call infertility a season as much as we can. Maybe people say journey a lot, mm-hmm. or I think a journey implies that there's always this final destination. But I really truly think infertility is a season. Having kids is a season. Mm-hmm. Having adult kids, if you ever able to have kids, is a season. And we move through these seasons in our life. And it's not like life is only about this one right. long journey to one thing, which is like right. having your kids graduate college or something. I don't know what it right. would be. I think we're constantly changing and we're, there's many different experiences to have. And I think infertility is an opportunity to start to just process even yeah. that. that yeah. There's many things in life. And when you look at it as a season, if it is a season, you will be here at the end of it. You will still have your things right. that you like. Right. You will still have things that you love. You will still be here. So don't forget about that person in the middle right. of Absolutely. this journey because you will be here at the end of it. Yep. And we, we, we never want to have our identity in our children in the first place. And so if our identity is having children then that there's an emptiness there, whether you have children or not, we cannot have our identity in that. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge part of our lives if we're a mother or father, but that there's so much more to life than that. And it's so hard to see that when you're in the midst of infertility. I know my gosh, that's, that is a whole podcast in and of itself, you know, of not finding identity in being a parent. Oh, that totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on the calendar. Right. (laughs) Done. Dr. Andrea Ganahl, we couldn't do it without you. Annie, thank you so much for being here, for doing the question and answer. You will be back soon, I'm sure, and people can find you online. They can buy your book. We just can't thank you enough for being here. Oh, I love being here with you guys. You guys You're awesome. the best. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to come back one more.
Thank you for listening to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, a show produced by the nonprofit Uniquely Knitted. This is your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so grateful to all of our wonderful donors who support this work. If you would like to learn more about how we serve the community and support the work of Uniquely Knitted, we encourage you to check us out at uniquelyknitted.org. If you enjoy this podcast and would like more people to hear it, please give us a rating and a comment in Apple Podcast. This is the best way for more people to hear these conversations. If you need to talk to someone about your feelings, please reach out to us. We are here to help you. If you would like to learn more about our unique process groups, please follow the link in our show notes.